HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. We used to buy a case of chicken breast for $40. Do you know how much I purchased last Monday? $121. Within the last few years, I mean, we're, we're looking at wings for, you know, and I, I am guessing a little bit. It was, it was around $1.40, $1.50 a pound, and now we're up close to $3.50 a pound. Yeah, that's just wings. It seemed like things were getting better as far as the pandemic goes. But now, with inflation, everything has gone up again. Meat, everything's so expensive, and we may end up raising prices. But I don't think our clients will like it. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. I'm Elba Tamara Rodriguez, and today we're asking, how can restaurants survive inflation? New York City is famous for its restaurants. From the dollar slice to the Michelin starred, there were enough food establishments in New York City in 2019 to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at a different location every day for 20 years. Then came COVID. And the imposed shutdowns forced over 4,000 of those locations to close forever. Today, food establishments continue to feel the aftereffects of the pandemic. Coupled with the loss of revenue, limited capacity seating, and increased employee wages, restaurant owners are hit with yet another obstacle. Inflation. It's been on everyone's lips and consistently in the news. In March, the United States saw the highest rate of inflation in more than 40 years at 8.5%. And if that wasn't hitting restaurants hard enough, the rate climbed to 9.1% in June. Currently, it stands back at 8.5. If restaurants can't survive inflation, people lose their livelihoods and consequently some lose their homes. But before I could get into how restaurants are coping with increased costs, I had to find out what exactly is inflation? How does it work? And why does it seem like restaurants feel it the hardest? I spoke to CUNY economics professor Mary Okto. Inflation is really measures the cost of living index, increasing the cost of living for a typical consumer. Just about most of the things that you want to buy will be more expensive. 
and it will be uh, more expensive that one time but for the next several months it's it, so in other words it's not only one time increase it's it's a continuous increase so why does this happen so there are um, several reasons why it happens and um, the sad thing is that right now all of the reasons are happening so on the radio you will hear republicans say oh it's the biden inflation biden says it's putin inflation um some other people will say oh it's the oil prices and so everything is now happening at the same time normally it's just one of the reasons happen at a time so it's much easier to tackle and this is like a perfect storm right now so when you look at the reasons so there are basically uh, three reasons for inflation to happen one is the um, you see in economics we have the supply demand right and um, so you can have uh, um uh, a shock or a, a disturbance to the from the supply side you can have something happening from the demand side and then there's a third thing that happens is because everybody is expecting inflations to rise in the future and the prices to rise continue to rise in the future and so this is the expectation so when people start believing that that's also a third reason okay that's a lot but let's narrow it down to food establishments so you're talking about the restaurant to just imagine what what shape they got into they suddenly they had, there was no customer no nobody coming into the restaurant and um so but this also led to um them not wanting to buy from their suppliers of course when they were not selling they were not buying their suppliers and their suppliers were not able to get from their own suppliers so um what we realized that actually we were so interlinked through the whole world that when in one country as china was supplying a lot of this um raw material for a lot of things and they goes into shutdown and we can't get any more anything and everything gets clogged transportation gets messed up and transportation includes freight most restaurants get their product from big distributors and they too have increased their prices gas prices going up affected everything and i know that one thing when gas goes up people charge you know increase their delivery fees and then unfortunately when gas prices come down they don't necessarily decrease the delivery fees so now restaurants are paying higher you know delivery fees than they did before that's adam reese he recently joined hrn as the board's treasurer I am the owner of Adam Reese Co, a consulting company for restaurants. We help people open restaurants, um, financial analysis, um, and business plans. I asked him, given this quote-unquote perfect storm, as Professor Uktam put it, what can restaurant owners do? Certainly, you know, shopping vendors is more and more important. It's very nice when you have a great relationship with one meat supplier and that's all you buy from, but you know, when meat prices are as high as they are, uh critical to be going out and talking to have a few suppliers and and shop first, you know, call them, what are the prices? Um people are able to uh, trade down to less expensive cuts of meat. The the larger a piece of meat you get, the 
less expensive it's going to be. So if you can buy whole chickens instead of chicken breasts and figure out how to use everything, then that's great. And then, you know, reducing portion sizes is another thing to consider. Um, you know, I think maybe consumers do understand and maybe you've heard that prices are going to have to go up if restaurants are going to stay in business. Professor Uktam says they have to increase their prices uh, to stay afloat. And uh, so they they pass. We say that this in, in, some of these prices are passed through to consumers. And there is nothing you cannot do. And there's no policy. Neither the government, nor the, nor the Fed, nor the central bank can do anything for this kind of disruptions in the market from the supply side. Coming up, we'll speak to some restaurant owners themselves and find out how they are dealing with the effects of inflation. We'll be right back to the big food question after a short break. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 35 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on an eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail served on the beautiful patio, which has ample room for social distancing. Travelers from around the world find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Welcome back to the big food question. How are restaurant owners surviving inflation? Ivelisse Rossi is the co-owner of Refried Beans, a Tex-Mex restaurant in the uptown Manhattan neighborhood of Washington Heights. They serve a small community of regulars, including young professionals with children and older adults, in May, when inflation experienced its second spike, Rossi faced a 300% increase on goods. I spoke to her at a restaurant. How is the restaurant dealing with inflation? Have you had to increase your menu prices? I had done it like twice already, but the inflation is so high that, I mean, I'm, I don't recover yet from the last winter. Omicron, inflation, and a cold weather, it's been longer than the previous year. So, you know, we are like, I have like a big debt right now. Like, you got the people on, but it's wiped out. The inflation, the sales decrease way too much December, January. 
uh, November due to the Omicron. So it's going to take some time. And how much can you increase the quesadilla or the taco? How, how high can you go? Right now it's like $15 in here. But to go, I have it in a lower price because this is a market I don't want to kill. I'd rather make less money than lose, you know, because it's a, you know, it's a revenue that is, I'm getting from there. Just two years ago, the quesadilla was priced at $11.95, and diners of the local restaurant are feeling the increase. I spoke with Jan Molman, who has been a regular of refried beans since they opened in 2008. Truth be told, we have had to cut back on one appetizer every time we go to make the check the same as it used to be, and I can only have one drink, not two. And owners are feeling the pangs of inflation across the city. David Lindsay is co-owner of the Kingsbridge Social Club in Kingsbridge Heights in the Bronx. The restaurant focuses on pizza and craft beer along with daily specials. They celebrated their fifth year of business in March. And Dave echoes Rosie's sentiments on price increases. I mean, it's... I've seen just like an overall increase in food prices and... We have had to increase our prices, but it's a little touch and go in the way that you can do that. You know, it's like you, you, you don't want to price yourself out. But, you know, when certain things double in price, it's not like I can go onto my menu and, and increase my prices by, you know, twofold. And while both owners have admitted to increasing menu prices, as is the inevitability of the restaurant business, Dave is also taking a different approach. I think the biggest thing is just, you know, really make sure you step up on on your social media presence, you know, like realize the things that you're good at and the things that you're not good at. We actually just started using a uh, social media slash marketing company. So that's brand new for us. Knowing what you're good at, knowing what, you know, you need to kind of delegate out and, uh, follow up on your emails, try to book parties. You know, like I think a lot of times people will go after the happy hour type thing where you're doing discounts on things that you're already not making that much money on. And I don't necessarily, that's not the way that I try to go. I mean, I do have happy hour, but yeah, if, if you're just trying to bring people in, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be making the money that you, that you need to, to, you know, support yourself and your business. So we've talked about inflation ad nauseum and how it's affecting restaurants and the supply chain. But why does it matter? I am a I'm brand you know, relatively new in the restaurant industry as far as owning goes. So I have all of my livelihood invested in this one restaurant. I, I, I don't have enough money to be able to, like, you know, invest in multiple places. So, yeah, it is. It's everything. That's why I spend the amount of time here that I do. For some people, it's not just a restaurant. It's everything. But what about the diner? The everyday Joe and Maria? The people that work the 40-hour-plus work week and find it hard to spare the extra cash? Professor Uktum sympathizes. Well, um, I sympathize with these people because uh, their salary is being eaten up. Uh, as well with the uh, increase in prices. You, I mean, barely go and buy your grocery and you spend most of your money there. And uh, But on the other hand, if your income is okay, is if you're in, a, in, a, in an okay sh- situation, I think they should go because to help these guys, otherwise they are, I mean, it, it, it doesn't help at the neighborhood if you know, the, the restaurants are, are, uh, are shutting down. 
it really doesn't help. And it, it's um, when you look at the whole economy, if everybody did that and most of the restaurants closed down, so what happens? It's like other than having your, um, um, you know, uh, shuttered businesses and which creates crime and all that stuff. Other than that, you have all these unemployment, you know, all these people get unemployed. And there's uh, and restaurant services uh, are a, a very important part of New York City. Restaurants are a very important part of New York City. It's what we're known for and a large part of the city's economy. To this day, the historic Delmonico's, credited with being the first restaurant in New York City, has yet to reopen from the pandemic's forced shutdown. A place with so much history, even Abraham Lincoln had a luncheon there. Or the famous Toro, where celebrity chefs would come to pour wine in each other's mouths and consequently spilled it all over each other's faces. The restaurant now sits empty alongside the West Side Highway, an ominous reminder of better days. However, happy hours are here again, with open mouths, laughing, and clinking cheers. Chinatown is back to its bustle of thousands of people a day, and my favorite sushi place is back to their one-hour wait list. Not good for me, but good for them. It is nice to see restaurants that are full and are busy, and people eating and smiling and laughing and doing what they like to do in restaurants. I couldn't agree more, Adam. I couldn't agree more. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like the show to answer, email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Dylan Hoyer, and Matt Patterson. This episode's producer is me, Elba Tamara Rodriguez. Our audio engineer is Liam Werner. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.